Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I was here for all of the year of 2011. That's not the reason we're looking at Hebrews 11, but Hebrews 11, chapter 1, Hebrews 11, verse 1 through verse 7. Let me ask you to stand as we read God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11, verse 1. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. May the Lord bless your reading of his scripture. Dear Lord, I thank you for these words. I thank you for this passage of scripture that still speaks to us today, here in Hebrews chapter 11. And we would ask, Lord, as we go before you today and look at these verses, you would give us hope for our lives here in 2020. And we thank you in Jesus' name. You can be seated. A number of years ago, Sabina Airlines, which is a carrier in Belgium, offered a special for $75. It was a round-trip ticket. You could go anywhere that they flew. They flew to North America, to Africa, to Asia, parts of Asia. And so for $75, you just had to show up on the day of the of the flight and put your $75 down and you could fly anywhere round trip. Now the catch was, it was a mystery where you were going. <laughs> you could not choose your destination. They chose it for you and so you were going to go somewhere but you didn't know where. Now it took a lot of faith to buy that $75 ticket because who knows where you would end up maybe the Belgian Congo, or maybe somewhere in Asia that would be a little stressful. What is faith? Faith is defined here, and this is the one place where faith is defined. Now the writer of Hebrews mentions 14 people by name and another 10 or so that are not named in Hebrews chapter 11. 
We're going to look at only three of them this morning. I know you're happy about that. The first three, and we're going to see how the writer of Hebrews defines faith. He says, faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, the word assurance is an interesting term. The original language and the Greek language, it, it really means sediment. And the idea is if you take a kind of a, a glass of water, you put dirt in it, then you shake it up, and then what settles to the bottom is this word. That is, it's the stuff. So what is faith? It's the stuff that's left over when all else fails. I think that's a good description of faith. So first the writer of Hebrews defines faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, but then he gives us some examples of people that express faith. And they are Abel, Enoch, and Noah. He says that by, by it, by faith, the men of old gained approval. Now, he didn't say that they were saved by that. That comes later when it talks about what salvation is like. Salvation is by faith. But he's speaking about living by faith here, which is the topic of our message. Living, walking by faith. How do we do that? He says, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. Now, this... The word word here is not the term logos. It just means the, the spoken word of God, the regular word of God that God spoke, and what we see is there. You may have seen, uh, I, I like to follow the Nobel Prizes for different categories, and one was given this year to a group of astronomers who proved that there really are black holes. Now, Einstein, um, in his theory of relativity, postulated that black holes w could exist, but because they're invisible, it's very hard to find a black hole. You know, so you have to look at the evidence, which is the absence of energy, to see what a black hole is. But several scientists, astronomers, found that black hole this year. And as you look at outer space and all that's out there that we can see and can't see, we can really believe, verse 3, can't we? That only God could have prepared all the stars and the planets and the black holes and everything that it takes millions of years to apply to. So what are these three examples that he gives us? First is Abel. Now, we don't often study Cain and Abel, other than to talk about how Cain slew Abel. But this is, in verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So what is it about, why was it a better sacrifice? Now, one of the things that commentators do is they argue different points. Uh, as you know, that um, Abel was raised crops, 
And that was his offering to God. Whereas Cain had flocks, and he offered one of these to, to God. But God, if you see the passage in Genesis, um, God had regard for Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. And Cain, God, God spoke to Cain and said that if you do well, but sin is crouching at the door. And so some commentators have speculated, well, God liked farmers better than ranchers. And so that's why God uh, liked Abel's sacrifice rather than Cain's. Now, I don't believe that's true because the scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so God describes himself as a shepherd and we call our pastors shepherds and shepherds pastors. So that couldn't be it. Some speculate, well, God didn't like the shedding of blood that early. This would come later when the law was given. And he liked the crops. You see, this is the kind of thing Dr. Andrews and I do. We have to read these books and give these different pros and cons and different things like that. But, you see, God we had to have shed blood uh, when he clothed Adam and Eve. And so that couldn't be the case. So I believe the, the right interpretation is that Abel's attitude was good. Because the scripture tells us here, and the way we can interpret the Old Testament is by the New Testament. Hebrews 11 said that Abel's faith still speaks. He offered his offering in faith. Evidently, Cain did not. He offered his offering with a bad heart. Now, I'll give you an example of that. When Christmas time came, and I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, some of you would remember that. And uh, my brother and I went to the same elementary school, Lillian Rudiger Elementary School in Tallahassee, Florida. And it was close enough we could walk to school. And my mother had bought gifts for our two teachers. I was in the fourth grade. My brother was in the second grade. And as we were walking, and they were both uh, wrapped, I noticed that my gift for my teacher was rattling. And since I knew it was a vase of some kind, I figured it was broken. Now, these two gifts were identical in wrapping. And so while my brother wasn't looking, I switched the gifts so that my brother was able to give his gift to his teacher, a broken gift, and I had a good gift. And I was the older brother, so I guess you could say I was the Cain and my brother was the Abel. I still feel kind of bad that I did that. <laughs> All these years later. But that's precisely what Cain did. Cain, evidently, according to the writer of Hebrews, grudgingly gave a gift to God. He gave a gift, but his heart really wasn't in it. And so we have to be very careful of that when we tithe and when we, and I, and I hope you tithe, I hope you give offerings, that we give it with a faithful heart. 
Because giving should be in faith. Dr. Andrews can't preach on stewardship, but since I'm here, and he didn't ask me to preach on stewardship, I will say you need to give. And give with a good heart because Abel's faith still speaks in his giving. And I believe everything we give to the Lord in faith will speak forever. But we don't need to be grudging about it like I was in the fourth grade. What's the second person? Now this is a person we rarely speak about, and that is Enoch. Look at verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Now, interestingly enough, his name in the Hebrew, and pardon me, I'm not trying to pretend like I'm a Hebrew scholar like Dr. Andrews, but the word Enoch means beginner. That is just one starting out. Interesting name that he had. He was in the godly line of Seth. Now, of course, Cain slew Abel, and Seth came about. So, he was the seventh generation from Adam. Now, the significance of Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, 24, it says that he walked with God. The Hebrew word is, really means walkabout. Now, the Australians, let's see, when you go on the lamb or you just get fed up with life, and you leave, they call it a walkabout. And if you speak Australian like I do. You go to the outback and, you know, you can speak Australian there. It's called a walkabout. And that's exactly what it was. He walked about with God. Where God went, he went with him. He lived his life uninterruptedly walking with God. So much so that Hebrews 11.5 said that God was satisfied by him. Do you know that the uh, mockingbird has its own sound, his own song, but the mockingbird rarely sings it. The mockingbird instead imitates other birds. So that you think another bird is chirping, but it's really the mockingbird. We're to be like that in a way we are to mirror God's walk and God's sound. If we are to walk with him. Martin Luther says about Enoch, quoting in Jude 14 and 15. Now Jude only has one chapter, so we never say Jude chapter 1, because there only is one chapter. So in Jude, verses 14 and 15, Jude speaks about Enoch. One of, the other, uh, one of the few places in the New Testament that speaks about Enoch. Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds which they have spoken in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Martin Luther said, Enoch was a man who manifested great boldness in testifying before the Lord and his church 
against Satan's church and all the false religion of the Canaanites. The expression, he was not, or is translated, God took him, in Genesis 5.24, is the same word used to describe what happened to Elijah in the chariot of fire. He was caught up. God took him. So he was one of the few who, who did not die. God caught him up. Now, what does all this mean? Here, Hebrews interprets the story of Enoch for us. So Enoch stands halfway between Adam and the coming flood that we're going to get to next. Adam sinned and would die. He hadn't died yet. God never planned for man to die. But by a man, Adam, came sin and death by sin. Enoch lived by faith and satisfied God, and so God took him. So before even Adam had died, Enoch was taken. So I believe that the scriptures suggest here, Enoch satisfied God by his faith. It doesn't mean Enoch was sinless. It just means that he walked around with God. He presented the gospel in his day. He prophesied. And, and here we see from Jude that he prophesied preached. We wouldn't know that if it wasn't for what Jude tells us. God rewarded Enoch and those who would be righteous with a preview of what faith in God can do. Because you see, this is our hope. Not our hope that we'll be taken. I know I do know some Christians that hope that the second coming will come before they have to die, die, you know, where you really die, and they'll just be taken up. Uh, some will experience that, but most of us will pass the way of all flesh and, and die. But Enoch is the hope that there is a hope that will be taken. So what's this picture that God has given you and I? We know that all die. We've attended funerals. But one day we hear there's a way to be death. And the way is very strange. It's by faith. You must be born again. But we ask how? Well... We hear that we're saved by grace through faith, not as ourselves, but it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no man should boast. And it's all done by faith. Dr. Johann Jaworkian, a pioneer in the study of aging, told the American Chemical Society Convention some years ago that if scientists could find one elusive enzyme, that men and women could live 800 years. He says aging occurs when toe molecules in a gene become hooked together by a process called cross-linking. If an enzyme could be found that would dissolve the bonds lifting the molecules, the process of growing old could be slowed down. 
And maybe we would live like some of the biblical figures. But everyone would still die. But you see, Enoch gives us hope. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. But God took him. He was not. Because he walked by faith. So we've looked at Cain and Abel, Abel specifically. Enoch, what about Noah? Now Noah, of course, is more uh, well-known than the other two. Um, we study about Noah. We sing songs about Noah built the ark. Kathy and I went to, um, uh, just about a month and a half ago, we visited uh, the ark display that's just about a uh, half hour south of Cincinnati in northern Kentucky. You can see a replica of the ark. And um, Ken Ham and his team have kind of, uh, they have films and they show what, how they would have kept all the animals and what the animals might have looked like inside their cages. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a great thing to go see particularly uh, if, you, if you are inquisitive about the ark and how it would all have been put together. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So what was the faith of Noah like? Hebrews eleven seven it says that Noah exhibited faith when there was all amounts of evidence had piled up to the contrary. He was warned by God of things that no one could see and much less even imagine because his ship was being built nowhere near an ocean or a river, or a lake. It would be like you constructing um, a big boat with no way to get it to the water. And it would be too big for any 18-wheeler, uh, any other kind of way to get it to the water. And of course, um, in this uh, illustrative uh, site that Ken Ham set up there in northern Kentucky. Uh, they have a film talking about how Noah was mocked and all of that. And, and uh, in Genesis 6-9, the scripture says, Noah was righteous and a blameless man in his time. Now, the, the word righteous and blameless, this is only used for one other person in the Old Testament. And that was Job. So, even though Abel and Enoch pleased God, as far as righteousness, only this man Noah and Job were as righteous as they. This is according to the divine standard. It also says that he was blameless. Now, this is the word complete. Now, some of you know that uh, my wife and I were missionaries in um, South America, Tanzania, and also in 
the Middle East. So we study Arabic, and the, the word used to describe Noah in Genesis and Job, in the book of Job, this word blameless is the same word in Hebrew and Arabic. It's tamim, but in Arabic, it's tamam. So in other words, when you want to say something is really good, like you go to Jack Stacks and you have a really good barbecue, you say, tamam. It means this is the best, okay? Or... Let's say you want to go to Sheridan's. You see where I'm going here. These are the places I like to go. And have a really good custard. And after you eat it, you say, tamam. That means that was without equal. You can't, you can't top it. That's what it's saying about Noah and Job. God considered them blameless and righteous. And Genesis 6-9 also says that Noah walked with God. But the sentence is reversed, and I'll be honest with you, no one knows why God reversed it in the passage of Scripture. Because in, instead of saying like Enoch, Enoch walked with God, the passage reads in Genesis 6-9, with God Noah did walk. So it's a little different. So I don't know if maybe they walked, he walked this way, and he walked this way. Okay? I don't know what that means. But they both walk with God. Enoch walked with God. Noah, with God he did walk. The meaning is the same because the preposition means Close personal fellowship. Tennyson wrote in one of his poems, The Knight's Creed. That is the knights that would follow the king. The Knight's Creed was this. To live pure, to speak truth, to follow the king. Else wherefore born, Tennyson writes. And that's the way you and I are to be. We are to live pure, to speak truth, and to follow God. What else can we say about the faith of Noah? What manner of person was he? He was able to stand his ground and remain uninfluenced by the attitude and conduct of his culture. Now, you think things are bad in our country and in the world. But think if it's only you and your wife and your three children and their wives and all the rest of the world is wicked. Yes, we have difficulties and division in our culture. And having been overseas for a good part of my life, it's there as well. But Noah stood his ground and was faithful even when the whole world except his family had forsaken God. So how do you have faith in times like these? By walking with God. 
Noah warned that there was something coming that was unseen. Judge was, judgment was coming. No one believed him. And by his announcement and his works of building the ark, the scripture tells us he condemned the world. But he prepared an ark of salvation constructed from wood. In the same way, God has prepared for us a way of salvation constructed by wood, the cross of Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not reading interpretation into that because other places in Scripture, it, it talks of, uh, the illustration is of Noah and the ark of salvation. And that it's an illustration of Noah and his family being saved through the flood and how we are as well. And baptism is an illustration of that. So God has prepared an ark, not a boat, but a cross. And by this he still condemns the world. The world doesn't like the cross because it speaks of the judgment of God. God judged sin upon the cross. It says that Enoch preached righteousness. Noah preached righteousness. And Abel's faith still speaks from the grave. Because God's way is still open to you and I. We can be taken up, not bodily, but in faith, in salvation, by believing in the provision that Christ has made upon the cross. Christ died for our sin. He rose from the dead. Proving that there is indeed a place that someone like Enoch went to. We can have that same hope as well. By having that faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things unseen. We can't see heaven we can't see Jesus as he is now, but we know by faith there's hope. Now, what if you don't have that faith? You can appropriate that faith this morning. Now, the question is, how do you have faith when you don't have faith? Or how do you get the faith to have the faith? You believe. Maybe these three people still are speaking to you today. Would you believe in Christ? Would we have the invitation? Would you make that decision in faith this morning? I'm going to pray right now, and I'm just going to ask that if you would like to believe in Christ, that you would, and as we have our invitation, you would come forward. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for these three people, Abel, Enoch, and Moses, and how they still speak to us today. And the writer of Hebrews helps us to understand that we can have faith, and our faith can preserve us in this hour and also in the days to come. If you would like to believe in Christ this morning, 
Would you just do that right now? Say, Lord, I believe. And during our invitation time, you could come forward. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together for our invitation. As Randy leads us, I'll be waiting here at the front.